0: Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Danu Gumpy vreeland and this is the Prelim Primer, the only podcast fully dedicated to the Curtain Jerkers. I, of course, am talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. Today, we're talking about UFC 238 in Chicago, but we'll only be talking about the prelim portion of that card. Now, If you're new to the show, you're probably sitting there asking yourself, why are they only talking about the prelims? We got two crazy good title fights at the top of the card. Plus, we're watching Tony Ferguson and Cowboy Cerrone, you know, just absolutely throw bombs at each other. Why aren't we talking about these fights? Well, we know that you guys probably already know a lot about those fights. You've probably already got your picks. Maybe you've got some bets laid down. You've already got your daily fantasy lineups with Cowboy in them. But maybe you don't know a ton about the prelims, and that's what we're here for. So maybe you're sick of losing on Daily Fantasy because you're only picking guys from the main card, and we're here to help you with the hidden gems, and this is the right place to learn about the hidden gems. And if you're one of those people who is into Daily Fantasy sports, or even if you're not, you should check out bsmma.com. bsmma.com is giving you your first two contests for UFC 238 for free. That's right, for free. The first one you can win free, bsmma apparel. And the second one is exclusive to listeners of the show. You just got to go on the site and use the promo code PRELIM3 prelim in the number three and you're going to get a free contest for a $20 Amazon gift card that's right so you can win shirts you can win a Amazon gift card all of that for free and this is not like every other daily fantasy sports for MMA this is a completely new breed of games you don't have to worry about those pesky salary caps you don't have to worry about losing about some arbitrary bullshit anymore right like you've probably won a whole bunch of fights before but somebody landed less punches than somebody else and all of a sudden you're losing You don't have to worry about that anymore. Instead, just pick the five fighters that you think will win on this card. Pick their methods and the round, plus a quick little bonus power-up, and that's it. That's all you got to do. And if you're good at picking fight winners, you're going to love this game. Get in on those contests and make your picks. And to help you out on those picks on bsmma.com, I've enlisted the help of a wise and witty co-host. Today, I'm joined by the host of the MMA Frost Podcast. You might know him on Twitter, at Grandsire MMA. I'm talking with Lucas Grandsire. Lucas, are you ready to give this one more go?
1: Hell yeah, man. Let's do it.
0: All right. So, as usual, we start with round one. And in round one, we put five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start today by talking about Al Jermaine Sterling versus Pedro Munoz. Definitely a main card matchup on most pay-per-views. Sterling coming off three wins in a row, recently worked over Jimmy Rivera. Uh, he's fighting Pedro Munoz, who's also won three in a row, and he recently KO'd Cody Garbrand, which is just incredible. Uh, so both of these two are kind of noted grapplers, but both did their work on the feet last fight. Which of them impressed you more on the feet with their last performance?
1: Uh, I like Al Jermaine Sterling. I mean, you know, Cody Garbrandt throwing caution to the wind—that that plays a huge factor. So it doesn't quite impress me as much as uh, Aljamain Sterling did.
0: Yeah, and I, I like Aljamain Sterling and what he did with Jimmy Rivera because basically what he did was he out Jimmy Rivera, Jimmy Rivera, right? Like <laughs> he he was able to strike from distance. He moved in and out. He was fast. Uh, it was all kind of surprising to me. But the evolution of his game, I, I think, makes him a front runner in this. Here's a follow-up question though. He he seems to be the front-runner pick on the feet here, but he, he was 0-7 in trying to take down Jimmy Rivera. Do you think that plays into fighting Pedro Munoz?
1: Uh, I mean, you know, these jujitsu guys, takedowns not so much their thing, so I wouldn't, you know, look at the takedowns too big of a factor. But, man, Algermain Sterling is an animal on the ground. And I don't even think describing it like that does it justice. This dude, I don't think he's got – I think he's, like, purple or brown belt, but he's incredible on the ground. I know Pedro is too, but – Algermain sterling every time i see him go to work on the ground i'm like holy shit this guy's so good so uh you know i'm leaning towards aljermaine if he can get it to the ground which i i think he can but uh yeah his ground game i mean is so good
0: yeah i like him too if it goes to the ground i'm a little bit worried he gets caught if he does shoot a double leg or a single leg because munoz has got that really good guillotine so, so that worries me a little bit i'm also leaning towards aljermaine sterling can i get a final pick out of you
1: uh Aljamain Sterling decision I don't think he's necessarily got the hands to finish him and uh, submissions I doubt uh, Pedro's gonna get caught so I'd say a decision
0: yeah I can't see him getting caught in a submission either so I'm gonna go Aljamain Sterling by decision and I'm gonna say this stays on the feet which seems crazy too but I'm gonna pick Aljamain Sterling on the feet um, the next fight is also sort of one with title implications, just like Sterling's is. And that's Tatiana Suarez versus Nina Ansaroff. Uh, Suarez, 4-0 and in the UFC, most recently TKO'd Carla Esparza. Nina Ansaroff has got four in a row herself, but that's dating all the way back to January of 2017. And she most recently beat Claudia Gedalia by decision. Uh, both of them are on incredible runs here. Here's the big question of the fight, though. Do you think Nina Ansaroff can stop the wrestling of Tatiana Suarez?
1: I don't think so, man. There's a reason we call her the, the female Habib. I mean, she's, uh, she's an animal, and, and she looks huge compared to a lot of these girls. So, uh, honestly, I don't think so.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think anybody is stopping her. You know, like, th- there's a couple of names that I I find really interesting as far as fighting Tatiana Swartz. I'd like to see if Jessica Andrade could uh, stop her from the takedown. I'd love to see... Um... Who's the, the girl from China that I, I just am missing on the name here?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm not going to get that name for you, but <laughs> I know who you're talking about. Wiley Zhang or something? Yeah, like yeah, that. She,
0: she would be, uh, w- yeah, Wiley Zhang. Yep, and, and she would be a super exciting fight too. But, but apart from those two, I, I mean, I think she takes down every girl in the division and does so pretty dominantly. So we, we do have a minute and a half here to talk about one more. So I'm going to squeeze one more in and I'm going to take Carolina Kovalkiewicz. She's fighting Alexa Grosso. Kovalkiewicz is kind of a, a, on a down skit here. She's one and two in her last three. She's coming off back-to-back losses against Michelle Waterson in a vicious knockout to Jessica Andrade. Alexa Grosso also one and two in her last three. She lost to Tatiana Suarez though, which is not, you know, a terrible loss there. And she got a split decision win over Randa Marcos. So it, here's the question. It seems like since... She's been knocked out by Jessica Andrade. Carolina Kovalkevich is a completely different fighter. She looked a little tentative last time out against Waterson. Is she able to shake that off this time and get back to her, like, you know, borderline can t- title challenge herself?
1: Uh, I think so, because, you know, she sort of needed that one fight to, you know, trust her chin again. I mean, when you get knocked out viciously like that, I think it creeps into your mind. You have that doubt, you know, maybe I'm not so durable and stuff. But I think she went through that fight with Michelle, survived, and, uh, the the one fight that creeps into my mind when I think about this one is when Grasso went got pieced up against uh, uh, Felice Herrig, and uh, I, I'm I'm leaning Carolina on this fight if she can get you know her confidence in check.
0: Yeah, and you also mentioned a good point there, right? Like she got pieced up by Felice Herrig. Kovalkovich beat Felice Herrig, right? Like, that's her last win. Not that MMA math works out all the time, but but I got Kovalkovich by a decision here.
1: Yeah, I have her too. Unless there's some kind of shenanigans, uh, yeah, I think uh, Carolina gets it done.
0: All right, and that's going to do it with the end of round one. We are out of time, so we're going to catch our breaths on the stool while you listen to a short word from our sponsors. For me, the best part about MMA is getting a bunch of friends together and watching the fights. And I love it for a bunch of reasons. One, I love having people over my house. Two, I love being able to tell people they're wrong about their fight picks and watching their faces when they are. That's really where the idea for BSMMA came from. Go to bsmma.com, set up a contest with you and your friends, and you can watch them lose to you. It's the best feeling in the world. They've got customizable contests where you can pick the number of people you want in there. You can pick the payout structure. You can even set up a free contest for your friends if you want. All of that is designed to be your companion for Fight Night, and I highly suggest it because it makes it even better. And if you're doing it for for UFC 238, why not get in on our free game as well? You can use promo code PRELIM3 and check out a free game for $20 Amazon gift card. Now, back to the show. And we are back with round two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. All right, and we're going to start talking about maybe my favorite fight on this whole card, believe it or not, and that's Ricardo Lamas versus Calvin Cater. Ricardo Lamas, 1-2 in his last three. He just beat Darren Elkins, but before that, he had a decision loss to Mirsad Bechtic and a KO loss to Josh Emmett. And uh, Calvin Cater, he's 3-1 and one in the UFC. His only loss is a decision to Hanato Moicano, which really no shame in that. So here's the question. With Hanato Moicano being the only one who sort of solved the Calvin Cater puzzle here, do you see Llamas being able to sort of find that plan, kicking away at, at Cater's legs and picking up the win that way?
1: Uh, I mean, I think so. You know, uh, Ricardo's fought everybody. I mean, uh, you name it, he's fought him. He's a, a real veteran, so I think he can get it done. But uh, Sam Calvin, he's, he's, a, he's a top prospect, too, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him get it uh, done. It's, it's such a close fight, this one.
0: Yeah, I'm a little bit worried. I'm going to say this about Calvin Kater, or uh, rather about Ricardo Lamas. Ricardo Lamas feels a lot like, and maybe it's just because I've always put him in the same boat as is Cub Swanson. He feels a lot like he's taking the Cub Swanson route. That like sort of the young guys of the division are passing him by. You saw Cub Swanson get beat by Shane Burgos recently. You know, like other than Darren Elkins, who who he finished. I mean, like, is he really beating anybody who's, like, a good striker? Like, he beat Jason Knight, he beat Charles Oliveira, and, and then we got to remember here, too, that Calvin Cater is a guy who knocked out Shane Burgos uh, after probably winning the whole fight, so uh, it sounds like you're leaning Lamas, though.
1: Well, I talked to Lamas uh, before this fight, we did the, the pre-fight interview on my show, and the, the Lamas' mentality is so, you know, no-nonsense, I'm the veteran, he's not going to surprise me with anything, and... Uh, I agree with him. I don't think there's going to be any surprises. Uh, Yes, I am leaning towards Ricardo, but you know what? If uh, it goes the other way, I wouldn't be too surprised.
0: Are are you going with decision by Lamas, or do you think you can get him out of there?
1: No, we're going to go with decision. We're going to keep it safe.
0: All right, I'm going to say Calvin Cater, and and call me crazy here, I'm taking Calvin Cater by finish. I'm going to take him with a TKO. Um, And that's going to bring us to our second fight of the second round. We're going to go to women's strawweight, where we're going to see Joanne Calderwood fight Caitlin Chokagian, which is, again, man, this card has just got banger after banger because this has maybe got title implications at Flyweight with Joanne Calderwood, 3-0 and at Flyweight, and not just doing it with her striking anymore. She's doing it all over the place. Kaitlyn Chokagian is on a little bit of a downslide, though. She's 1-3 in, in her last four, or 3-1 uh, in her last four. She did lose to Jessica I, who's fighting for the title. All of those fights went to decision. Here's the question, though. Kaitlyn Ch- Chokagian is damn good on the feet, Joanne Calderwood's grappling is way up. Do you think she has enough grappling to force Chokagian to fight that fight?
1: I think so. I mean, she looks so good since moving up to 125. Uh, I've been I've been really impressed with her since improving her ground game. I think the difference is really going to be on the feet, uh, and uh, I don't I don't really see it going to the ground either.
0: You don't see it going to the ground at all, and you like you like JoJo on the feet against Chokagian?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm leaning towards it, JoJo. I mean, I have no reason to believe against her. She's three and you said since moving up the weight class. I definitely like her. So, and uh, with Caitlyn, a little bit of a downswing. You know, losing to Jessica I. Had it been a few years ago, losing to Jessica I. That's that, that's a big deal because Jessica I was getting beaten by everybody. So, uh, I'm not super confident in Kaitlyn Let me put it that way.
0: Yeah, and the thing about choking again that bothers me a little bit is the output. You know, like I, I think her output. It, it she doesn't throw strikes to hurt all the time. She almost just, like, throws them at the air so that you know they're there. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of purpose or a lot of damage behind them.
1: Did you, so, did you say uh, Elias Theodoro? Is that, is that what you just
0: said? Yeah, yeah uh, <laughs> female Elias Theodoro. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that comparison. I think that's a great okay. comparison. Is that, like, a lot of her strikes are just there to exist. They're they're not there to do damage. And, and I think with JoJo working under John Wood over at Syndicate MMA now, I, I just think the way that he has completely turned her and Roxanne Montefiore's career around. I think that this is a Joanne Calderwood we're going to see more progress out of. She's 4-0 and at flyweight. She's going to be knocking on the door against Valentina Shevchenko. And it's a fight I kind of like to see. So I'm going to go with Joanne Calderwood. I'm going to say decision just because Chokagian does good enough to stay away. And it's, you know, it's women's flyweight. It's there's not a ton of finishes there. So I'll take Calderwood by decision.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on this one. It seems like uh, I doubt we're going to get a finish, but uh, yeah, definitely decision.
0: And we are unfortunately out of time on the second round. So we're going to catch our breath one more time. And we're going to send it over to our sponsors for a quick word. My personal favorite part of bsmma.com has got to be the power-ups. The power-ups are so cool because not only are we picking fighters that we think are winning, we're also going to pick some really cool, interesting ways of adding a few extra points to your point total. And now my personal favorite one and I've I've never hit it. I've tried it so many times to hit it, but I've I've never hit it, is the Cinderella bonus. Look, if your fighter's got to be home by midnight and they're trying to get the job done early, if you think they're going to win in the first two minutes of the fight, you can get a bonus 25 points when you put the Cinderella bonus on your fighter. So maybe you'll have better luck at picking it than I will, but I highly suggest checking out all those bonuses, getting familiar with them, and they're going to help you take home that prize on bsmma.com. Now, back to the show. We are back talking about UFC 238 prelims. We've got three fights to talk about here in the third round. Three pretty interesting fights, but a little bit less noticeable than the ones before. So let's put five minutes back on the clock. And we're going to start by talking about Bevan Lewis, who fights Darren Stewart here. Lewis lost his debut to Uriah Hall in a match that a lot of people had him winning until he got finished. Darren Stewart, 2-1 in the last three, coming off a split decision loss to Edvin Uh, But all of his wins before that were knockouts. Now, Lewis got put to sleep in his debut after winning all fight. It seems like that is a nightmare matchup when you're talking about Darren Stewart, who does just that to a lot of his opponents. Do you think Darren Stewart does follows that same formula?
1: Uh, I don't think so. you're right. Halt.
0: So no, I don't. I don't think so. He didn't
1: have the same athleticism, and and he's he's lost a lot of fights in the UFC. I mean, he's a fun guy. He's he's called what the dentist or something like that. So I mean he's a, he's a fun guy, and yeah, he could knock him out because we saw him get knocked out before. But I mean Lewis should be able to get it done. He he was beating Uriah until he got caught with some shenanigans, and uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure Lewis should get it done here. I mean he's a high-rated prospect for a reason.
0: I like what you said about his athleticism. I think that that's a big problem for Darren Stewart is that Darren Stewart is not a hyper-athletic guy, but he is a dude who throws so hard, and he throws hard late in fights, that I think there is a chance he catches Lewis late if Lewis does start to tire. Because, he, he, like, like you said, he's super athletic, he's very muscular, there's a chance he gasses, and I think that possibility is there. I, I will lean with you and go with Bevan Lewis here, but I am going to put that quick pause in there thinking, Hey, you know Darren Stewart can kind of get it done at any time.
1: I mean, yeah, probably. But listen, what are the odds that it happens to him twice in a row? You get knocked out after winning the fight, you know, in the third and second. I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's training specifically, hopefully, to avoid that. And I don't think we're going to see it twice. So yeah, meeting uh
0: Lewis. All right, and you are you going by finish or are you going by decision?
1: Uh, I could see a finish, but it's always safer to say decision.
0: Yeah, okay, I'm going decision here, too. Now, we're going to talk about one that just recently got added to the card. You can't even find it on UFC.com right now, and that's Eddie Wineland versus Grigory Popov. Uh, Eddie Wineland coming off back-to-back losses, and he hasn't fought in 12 months, which is sort of alarming. Uh, Grigory Popov making his UFC debut. He's a 14-2 and Russian fighting out of Tiger Muay Thai. Uh, he's 35 years old, though, so he's not really all that young. He's not much of a newcomer, so to speak. What should the fans know about Popov here in his debut?
1: Uh, man, I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't watched a whole lot of tape. I have looked at his record. I think he hasn't lost since 2014 and on this impressive streak and Tiger Muay Thai. Uh, that's a very good camp. I believe Antonina Shevchenko and, uh, Cleo Roundtree were training there. So it's a good camp. And, uh, I expect a lot out of him in his debut.
0: Yeah. He's sort of, uh, from what I've seen of him, he's sort of flashy, uh, reminiscent of Perrier or, uh, yeah, Perrier who, who had that crazy finish the other day, um, like two weeks ago. He's flashy like that. He's got a low-kick KO. Uh, I saw him finish with a go-go plata. But most of the guys he's fighting are like three and four. So I I like like him as a fighter. But the fact that he's 35 hasn't really been tested by a Wiley veteran. And he's getting Eddie Wineland in his debut. Which, you know, Eddie Wineland is still no walk in the park. I just think it's too much for the the newcomer. I'm going Eddie Wineland decision in one of those, like, classic boxing decisions from back in his WEC days.
1: I mean, this is one of those things where, you know, you see sort of the newcomer you're not too familiar with, and he takes on a name, and then you expect the name to win, and then he ends up losing a 29-28. That's what I'm kind of expecting out of this one. I don't know, man. Eddie, every time it looks like he's coming back, he loses a couple. So I'm not very confident picking Eddie.
0: All right, so we have our a difference right there. Now that's going to take us to our last fight with about a minute to go, and that's Jan Shonan versus Angela Hill. Angela Hill taking a fight already again. She loves those late notice fights. She is one and two in her last three. Her only win is over Jody Esquivel, which was pretty recently. Jan is quietly three and zero with wins over Siri Kondo, Kaylin Curran, and Vivian Pereira. So Hill's recent losses all seem to be to people who can take her down. Yan has only attempted one takedown in her UFC career. Is this a bad matchup for Shawn and Yan?
1: No, I think so. I mean, Angela Hill, she's a very good striker. I mean, even Yan's uh, last three fights, I mean, which names do you recognize on there? I mean, Karan, but you remember that run she had in the UFC. So uh, her wins aren't super impressive. And uh, like you said, Angela Hill, you look at her losses. Those are names right there. So um, yeah, I think, I think Hill's got very good on the feed. And she tends to be a little bit overrated because the UFC likes to throw those big matchups before she's truly had the experience.
0: Yeah, and and I think that that's sort of, you're right about uh, Angela Hill is that she's sort of gotten a bad rap based on uh, some of her past matchups. You know, uh, there's no reason at her stage of her career for her to have been fighting uh, Jessica Andrade, right? Like, Jessica Andrade nice, at that, yeah. that stage in her career was crazy. That, that that was like a crazy fight for her to be in. And, and at the same time, like, she still went in there and competed. You know, she fought Rose Namajunas and Tisha Torres in two of her first three fights in the UFC. That's incredible. So, like, I think she gets underrated for that reason. Uh, and, and I think here she, she's definitely got the athleticism. She's definitely got the – her striking is way better than Siri Kondo's. And I think here she gets it done. I'm going to go by decision again, though, because, uh, as you know, women's straw weight, not a ton of finishes.
1: Yeah, I mean, and to their credit, you know, some people, they they think like, oh, they're talking about women don't have the power. But, man, when you weigh in at 115 pounds, there's not a whole lot of weight behind those punches. So, mm. uh, yeah, I don't expect a finish, but I expect her to take uh, the decision. It should be a good one. And uh, I'm glad she has an opponent that, you know, isn't ranked like number three in the world. Yeah. that has uh, so much more experience than her
0: absolutely so that's going to do it for round three i want to thank lucas here for being on and helping me break down these fights because let's face it me doing this by myself would be real boring so lucas thank you so much for the time i really appreciate it
1: of course man thank you so much for having me on